You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Let's uh, take our Bibles and let's uh, return to where we were Sunday morning, 2 Chronicles. want to come back to our message seeing as though the fourth is right around the corner tomorrow there were quite a few things on Sunday that I didn't have time to deal with and I really felt led by the Lord to come back to that tonight Uh, deeply concerned about our country second Chronicles chapter 7 begin with verse 12 and I'll read through verse 16 Again, I mentioned on Sunday there are probably hundreds of messages preached on 2 Chronicles 7.14 this past Sunday. Seldom do we consider the context around that verse. We did so on Sunday, so you know what's happening here. The dedication of the temple, Solomon's prayer of dedication, and now the Lord's response, verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and will hear the land. Now mine eyes shall be opened and my ears attent under the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word tonight as we consider once again the celebration that we're all in this week and particularly tomorrow and we thank you for the freedoms and liberties that you have granted to us as a people and yet we see them slowly but surely slipping away from us as we have departed from your word and we have set you aside and we no longer consider your ways we are losing what has been dear to us and what our founding fathers gave their lives for. So, Father, bless the service tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Whenever I come back to something like this, I'm so tempted to go back to the prior message and just kind of go through it again to cement in your mind all the truths that we considered On Sunday, as we went back historically into our nation, we looked at the declaration and the signing of the declaration, and we considered the 400, or excuse me, the 204 of our founding fathers and where they were religiously and what they believed and how God has blessed our our country. So I don't want to go back to that here tonight, but I do want to take some time to go to Isaiah. Uh, chapter 5 
we read a portion of scripture from here. I believe this is very prophetic and really describes the day and age in, in which we live. And every one of us here who know and love the Lord are very concerned about our country. We're concerned about the moral and spiritual decline that we see in our nation and our churches. We mentioned just briefly so many of our churches have departed from the fundamentals of the faith. We see that our families are a mess. And we, we're concerned. Look at verse 20 of Isaiah chapter, verse, yeah, verse 20 of Isaiah chapter 5. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Does that sound like the day and age in which we live? That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Verse 23, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. We have seen how things have just absolutely been turned upside down. Now those who stand for right, those who stand for moral values, traditional values, are considered those who are unrighteous. Those who stand for perversion are considered those who hold a position now of righteousness. And so we're in that day and age where good is now evil and evil is now good. Light is now darkness. Darkness is now light. We're in a day and age where sodomy is called good. When God calls it wicked. We're in a day and age where transgenderism is called good. And God calls it perversion. We're in a day and age where abortion is called good, but God calls it murder. We're in a day and age where socialism is looked at as the savior. And yet we know that socialism is evil. If you don't believe that we are living in this prophecy, you are really detached from what's going on all around you. I think uh, God had the answer. If my people will humble themselves and what? I really believe that's what we're not doing. We're active in a lot of ways in opposing what's going on in our world around us. And many of us have become very vocal. And yet, are we concerned enough that every day we pray for our nation? Every one of us here would raise our hand and say prayer should be a priority in the Christian life. But I believe every one of us would also say that prayer is the most difficult discipline to develop in the Christian life. It's probably the thing lacking the most 
in our lives and in our churches, and we see the repercussions of that in our nation. If you remember, on Sunday I mentioned there were two top issues that Jesus taught on over and over again. Number one was what? Prayer. Number two was faith. You think of all the things that our Lord Jesus taught and preached about. Number one, number two was prayer and faith. He spoke often about these in his ministry. And not only did he teach on them and preach on them, he practiced them in his life. And he has left us an example that we should what? I can't hear you. Come on. That we should what? Follow in his steps. So if his steps were steps of prayer, our steps also should be steps of prayer. If prayer was a priority with Christ, then it should be a priority with us if we are going to be Christ-like. Remember, there are passages of Scripture that talked about how he would get up early in the morning, well before the sunrise. And there he would find a place to get alone with his heavenly Father. So there are eight truths about prayer that I want to share with you tonight. You might want to jot these down. Heavenly Father. The daily discipline of prayer requires that we make it a priority in our lives. That we have a time every day, listen to me, of uninterrupted fellowship. But time is never wasted when you spend it in prayer. But that is exactly what the devil tries to convince you of. You don't have time to pray. It's a waste of time. Don't make it a priority in your life. You have other things to do. And yet it really is the remedy to what we are experiencing in our land. If my people will humble themselves and pray. The words of Jesus, but thou when thou prayest. He, he doesn't tell us to pray. He assumes that we are doing it. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy what? Closet. That place where you can just have an uninterrupted time. My closet is my office. My wife's closet is her bedroom. I don't know where your closet is, but every one of us need to have a closet. Amen? Where the cell phone is turned off. Where all those things that would interrupt you are closed out and that probably does mean if you have the kind of family like we do that probably does mean that like the Lord Jesus you're going to have to get up a little bit earlier before the phone does start ringing before the kids do wake up but it's never a waste of time to what? It's never a waste of time to pray. 
But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, don't leave the door open. You know what that means? Turn the phone off. Pray to thy Father. And here's what I love about this. Pray to thy Father which is in secret. Now listen. And thy Father which is in secret shall what? Come on, say it. Shall what? Reward thee openly. It's going to be very clear that he is rewarding you for the time that you have set aside for uninterrupted fellowship with him. Now, how many believe that verse is true? How many want to be rewarded in your life openly? I mean, that other, that's so obvious that other people can see God is blessing this person. God is blessing this family. God is blessing this church. That's where people see the demonstration of a living God in people's lives. And this is what they say. You know what? I'd kind of like that in my life too. He will reward thee openly. So I think we should take some time just to have a little personal evaluation. Where does prayer, prayer, prayer fit into your daily schedule? You have to fit it in. Do you have a set time where you say, this is my time to spend with the Lord? Do you only pray at church or during mealtimes? Or when called upon. Do you only pray when you need help? You know what I mean? You get in trouble? Well, I need the Lord. Bail me out of this one. How many hours in the day has the Lord given us? Very good. Of the 24 hours in a day that the Lord has given us, how many do you give back to him in prayer? Pastor Peterson said to me Sunday, he said, one of the things I love about being retired now is the extra amount of time I have to pray. I wish all retirees had that attitude. Number two, lack of prayer in our lives is really, we don't think of this, but it's really sinning against the Lord. A lack of prayer in our lives is really sinning against the Lord. The second truth to consider about prayer. Let me give you a verse for that. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 23 let me lay the context for you here. Israel has insisted that they have a what? King. We want a king. We want to be like all the other nations around us. We need a king. And God said what? No, you don't. You have me. 
Why do you need a king when you have me? No, we want a king. Samuel the prophet protest on the behalf of the Lord, but the people would not listen to him, and they insisted. The Bible said, man... verse just slipped my mind but God will give him leanness to his soul how does it go help me out give them the desire of the yes thank you God may give them the desire of their heart but bring leanness to their soul be careful what you persistently ask the Lord for he just may give it to you, and then you may find out I should have never, ever asked for that. But God brought leanness to their soul. And then now they're like, and God was upset. And if you follow what's going on in that passage here, God sends a, a powerful storm, lightning and thunder and, and rain like it had never rained. And the water starts to rise and the people are absolutely petrified that they're all going to die in this storm that the Lord has brought upon them because of his displeasure. So guess who they run to? They run to the prophet. And they say to Samuel, Samuel, you need to, you need to pray for us. I always thought, well, why didn't they pray for themselves? But Samuel, you need, you need to pray for us. And Samuel said these words, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. And then he tells him, listen, God still loves you. Even though you have sinned against the Lord and you've demanded a king, God still loves you. And if you will repent and turn to him, the storm will be stilled. But what I want you to understand is what he says here. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Listen, when we don't pray, we're sinning against God. How many of you here, God has really burned your heart for someone and yet you haven't spent time in prayer for them? How many are burdened for our country? Look at that. But how much time have we spent in prayer for our country? See what I'm saying? It's really sinning against the Lord. Number three, neglect of prayer results in three things happening in our lives. Our spiritual life becomes weak. The Bible speaks of those Christians that are strong Christians and those that are weak Christians. Let me ask you a question. Do weak Christians pray? Do strong Christians pray? So when we do not develop a prayer life, when we neglect prayer in our personal life, we can be assured that we're going to 
be weak spiritually. Number two, our needs will go unmet. Ask and it We will be a weak Christian. Our needs will go unmet. Number three, perhaps this is the most important of them all, will become ungodly in our behavior. Ungodly people don't pray. Godly people do pray. Why? Because prayer requires confession and repentance of sin, which produces godly behavior. If my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and what? Turn. It's a byproduct of prayer. One of the reasons our nation, I believe, is in the spiritual and moral condition that it's in is because our churches are in desperate need of revival. Our church is. I am, you are. We are. Let's just, let's just tell it like it is. Let's just get honest with the Lord. We need revival at fellowship. We got a good church. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We had a pastor's fellowship uh, Monday morning. There was 12, 13 pastors there. And I had a couple pastors come to me and they said, boy, we have so many problems in our church. They said, we wish we pastored a church like Fellowship. It's a good thing we don't have division and disunity. But we are endowed to be met and our behavior turned from ungodliness. And I can come out of there. I can be more loving. I can be more kind. I can be more tolerant. I can be more patient. I can be all the things that I usually am not. And I don't even have to try. Isn't that awesome? Because it's the work that the Lord's doing. That's, I'm telling you people, that is what happens. When you spend time with the Lord. It affects the way you live your daily life. That intimate relationship. Our Father. Which art in heaven. I kind of think it. Does the Lord pretty much know what's going to happen to you throughout the day? He knows what you're going to face. What you're going to run into. So don't you think if you spend time with him in the morning. He'd pretty much prepare you for the things you got to face. Well, you're all quiet here tonight. Number five. The fifth truth about prayer is Jesus taught about it all the time. Number one on his list. I just kind of jotted down a few things. This is definitely not an exhaustive list. Just a few things that Jesus taught about prayer. He said, pray to the Father which is in heaven. Set a place where you can get alone without being interrupted. He said, when you pray, 
You have to forgive those who have trespassed against you. Not easy. He said, when you pray, you have to love your enemies. He said, when you pray, you need to pray that God would strengthen you to resist temptation. You're going to face it every day. He said, when you pray, you've got to pray in faith, believing. He said, you should always pray. May not always to pray, not to quit, not to faint. He said, sometimes you need to fast and pray. And then he said this, he said, don't make long prayers for a pretense. So people can see what an elegant prayer you are. How many remember that prayer that I read from the first chaplain of the Continental Congress on Sunday? That was a prayer. And I don't think that was a prayer prayed out of pretense. That, that was obviously... A prayer prayed from the heart. But after I read through that prayer, and I read through it several times, I'm like, we don't pray like that anymore. Wow, that was a prayer. He said, don't pray for a pretense, though. And then he said this, my house. Is this his house? And this belongs to him. It all belongs to him. We dedicated this place to him the day we opened the doors. Many of you were here that day when we said, Lord, this is your house. He said, my house shall be called a house of what? Just a few things. On the Sermon on the Mount, he said, ask, seek, knock, and what's the last one? You'll find. If you ask, if you seek, if you knock, referring to prayer, he said, you will find. I'll open the door. I'll answer your prayer. Number six. Prayer is communion with the Lord. You are communing with him. I think this is an amazing thought. That the God of heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who all things are held together by the word of his power, that that God wants to fellowship with me. Serious? Me? You? I don't think we can wrap our minds around that thought that God wants to spend time with us more than we want to spend it with Him.
I have a grandson who's absolutely giving, given me his heart. He loves me to death. He looked at me the other day and he said, you know who I love the most? And I said, who? He goes, my mom and my dad. He said, and you, Papa. And then Aunt Alyssa. She's number three. This grandson of mine wants to be with me all the time. When he can't be with me, you should see him plead. It breaks my heart. I'm like, no, you have to go home. Oh, please, Papa. Can I stay overnight? No. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. For he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So here's the thing. Can we always pray with confidence in the will of God, even when we don't know the will of God? So that is not an excuse not to pray. We can't say, well, you know why I can't pray about this because I really don't know what the Lord wants. But the Holy Spirit does. And so you can ask the Holy Spirit to intercede for you. He knows the mind of the Lord. I think the reason that many of us do not pray, and maybe I'm just speaking about myself, we do not pray as we should is because we really don't believe God answers prayer. Stop and think. Why don't I pray as I should? I really don't believe that God answers prayer. Well, the Lord gave us a remedy for that too. He knows our weaknesses, doesn't he? And the apostle said unto the Lord, how many, how many remember what they asked him to do? Increase what? Increase our faith. If we don't believe that the Lord can answer prayer, then we're not going to pray. But if we're there, that's okay. The Lord understands that. Ask him to increase your faith. And as your faith is increased, then your prayer life is also increased. Okay, does God really answer prayer? Yes or no? Yes. James 5.16, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Jeremiah 33, verse 2, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call upon me, and I will, what? Answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. John 15, 7, abide in me. Stay in fellowship. Abide in me, and I in you. 
For if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye shall receive them, and ye shall have them. We have promise after promise after promise to that effect. We, of all people, should have confidence when we pray. If our petitions are according to the will of God, then we can be confident that God has heard and God will answer. Number eight, and will be done for the night. Prayer is greatly hindered because of unconfessed sin. I think all of us are grateful for our vice president and for his faith. He's not ashamed of the Lord. But I'll never forget when I heard him quote 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is how he quoted it. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. What did our vice president leave out? Turn from their wicked ways. I understand why he left that out politically. And there was no doubt for a purpose he left that out. But prayer is hindered because of unconfessed sin. Let me tell you, when you go to, to pray, God will put his finger on sin issues in your life that you weren't even aware of. Psalm 66, 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord, what? Say it, what? The Lord will not hear me. I don't know what you're going to do with that verse. You can't cut it out of the Bible. It's there. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. So when we go to prayer, let's make sure we deal with the sin issues in our life that God has put his finger on. Now, those are eight truths about prayer that I think we all really need to take to heart. Don't you? And if we did, I mean, if we did this as a church, do you think there would be a profound effect upon our church? I do too. Do you think if we did this as churches throughout America that there would be a profound effect upon America? 
what we cannot do, God can do through prayer. So schedule a time every day to spend with the Lord. Pick a nice, quiet place where you're going to be uninterrupted. Believe that God will hear your prayers and answer your prayers. Start praying for others. Trust in God's power, for with him nothing shall be impossible. Pray and ask God for wisdom and direction as you pray. Pray with perseverance. Don't faint. And don't forget to pray for our nation. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may live a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. I want to end with this quote by Adrian Rogers. Prayer is one of the most important activities in our lives because we're actually talking to the sovereign God of the universe who has all power and knowledge. He understands how we feel. He knows what we think. He has power to intervene in every area of life. Yet despite the Lord's willingness to listen and answer our request, we are not always faithful in prayer. When times are good, we may even forget to pray. Or maybe we doubt that God will answer our prayer. But the biggest hindrance to prayer is sin. If we're unwilling to acknowledge our sin and ask the Lord's forgiveness, we will have no desire to talk to a holy God. And all God's people said, Amen to that. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.